Hello and welcome to Three Friends and a Book. My name is Holly and I'm joined today by my good friend Caroline. What's up? And Janine. Hey y'all. Hey, we're back. Tag team back again. Mm-hmm. Are we timely? Are we on a, on a good schedule this time? We are. Good for us. We potted in, in October. Oh, we did. And then now we're here, we are in November, and I think, y'all, we might even squeeze another one in in November. Well, Leanne, well, no, don't <gasps> give anything away. Not yet. All right, so we are, we are three friends who love to read and love to talk about these books. But as we talk about them, we always keep in mind one of our favorite quotes by Hannah Arendt that says, The things of the world become more human for us only when we can discuss them with our fellows. We humanize what is going on in the world and ourselves only by speaking of it. And in the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. So this time around, we read an older book. Um, called A Darker Place. I think in our last podcast, I had to go back and edit it because I think, what we say? The Darkest Hour, which yeah. is a movie about Winston Churchill. <laughs> and then there's a, the Gillian Flynn book that's just called A Dark Place. A I Dark think. Place. It's, yeah. It gets confusing. It is. So this is called A Darker Place by Lori R. King. And I have never read anything by Lori King before, but Caroline, you have been a big fan of her for a long time, right? So why don't you tell us a little bit about her what you've read before, what you've liked. I don't, um, I really don't remember how I came to love her, but I enjoy her um, Mary Russell Sherlock Holmes series. So she writes this, she writes this, this female Sherlock Holmes kind of character who ends up married to the actual Sherlock Holmes and they solve mysteries together and I love Sherlock Holmes and Doyle and all of that but then I somehow got somebody turned me on to Laurie King and I really enjoyed a nice strong female character who is Holmes's foil in every way I mean she's like um you know reasonable rational not that Holmes isn't but she just foils him you know she says opposite and I love that that was really long and no, really windy great. but <laughs> that was great uh, what I thought y'all when we were going to read this book I thought this was actually one of those mm. and I was a little was that like, was it? Where's Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> yes, this is actually one of her few standalone <laughs> novels. What's the other one that her most popular one? Beekeeper's Apprentice. That's the first that, one. That's right? the first Mary yeah. Russell. Okay, maybe I should read that one. It's so good. I will say, Holly the other day mentioned with this one, she's like, "I'm not sure I'm I'm a better human, but I think we are. I think once we talk about it, we'll we'll det- we'll see well, how we're better humans after reading." I had just finished the book. And was frustrated. Mm-hmm. So I've had time to mull it over. The ending is frustrating. Yeah, we'll get to that frustrating ending. So that, what did you do with it? Didn't you throw the book at the end? I don't know if I actually <laughs> threw this one. I've been known to do that before, but I'm not sure if I actually threw this one. Or yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's jump into it. So what is this book about, people? Go ahead, Caroline. You, were, you had said something earlier um, where you described it really well. Not plot summary. No. no. Watching plot summary. We're okay. assuming that you guys have read the book. Or so pause this and go read it right quick. If you're not going to read it, then... Spoiler alert. Just listen. Yes. You can just um, listen to our discussion because know. we're so witty. <laughs> Y'all are. This book is... Do you want me to just go there? Do it. Mm-hmm. What I 
like about this book, my big takeaway, what I think the book is about, is about the eternal human quest for, I was saying immortality, but maybe I think it's meaning, but I think maybe those two things are actually the same yeah. thing when it comes mm-hmm. to like why people seek immortality and all of that. It's like search for meaning and how everybody does it, how essential it is, how we kind of can't get away from it. And about different ways that people try to find meaning in life. Yeah. And in this book, the focus is people finding meaning in life through um, what people would label as cults. But who, but what the main character Anne would label as sects, S-E-C-T-S. Yeah. She's part, she makes it in... I think the book, I was thinking about it being of two two stories, really, that's that's all one, because um, I was thinking how, uh, I'm, how much I enjoyed the book, but I didn't read it quickly, and how it's kind of a simple story, but then it's also really dense. Yeah. And so how is it being all of, being these two things at the same time, and I think it's because, on the one hand, she's an academic. She's a professor of religious studies, and she is trying to um, make order in the and understand the world that around her that's been completely out out of sorts ever since her husband and daughter were um, committed suicide in a in a cult eighteen years before. But then, on the other hand, no matter how intelligent she can be. Or how much intellect she can have about all the religious stuff. She is also like a panicked, guilty, Mm -hmm. remorseful, um, emotional person who who just experiences very human um, feelings and emotions and irrationality and things like that. And so I think I think maybe the two the two parts of her character and and, and of course in this book they actually have two different yeah. names right so one is the professor that's Anna yeah. mm-hmm. Waverly yeah and then the other one is what is what is her name when she goes and it's still Anna but just with one N it, it is Wakefield. I think her name's Anne Wakefield oh yeah Anne Waverly is the professor and Anna Wakefield Anne and Wakefield. then Anna. Yeah, I think I find really interesting, too, since she's a professor of religious studies, she knows lots of things about lots of different, different searches for meaning. And one of the things I think the book kind of argues is that we tend to think of cults or sects as made up of a bunch of crazy people. Fanatic, yeah, fanatics. Which I shouldn't say crazy people. Take that out. We tend to think of... Well, no, I think there's a stereotype. Like when we read about Jonestown or yeah. Waco, I think people automatically... Like that's the knee-jerk reaction is to label them as... Just to kind of write it off as yeah. like not meaningful, not something that's actually thoughtful and grounded in some kind of truths and like a, like a, um, you know, a real pursuit as opposed to just extreme feeling, yeah. I don't know, or something like that. So so she r- writes these characters who are the leaders of these sects as, you know, like pretty reasonable, really intelligent mm-hmm. and pretty reasonable human beings. And so, and then she kind of says, 
I think, um, you know, very clearly like what these people do and believe is really not that different from what your now popular major religions do and believe. You know, what's the difference? Um, and why some are widely accepted um, and then others are labeled you know crazy yeah and i think she just like blurs the lines there a, a little bit which i found really interesting yeah so um the chapter beginnings all having um different artifacts from her life from her journal from books that she's written from presentations she's given from fbi evidence files things like that and um, at the beginning of chapter 20, there's a um, chapter, like the beginning of a chapter she wrote in a book, which it, I didn't pay close enough attention to these, I don't think, as I read, because I'm seeing now in this one, she wrote a chapter for a book called Modern Religious Expression that was edited by Anthony Makepeace, who's her department chair, who oh, she's such good right. friends with. And mm-hmm. that's just all so it's just clever and nice. And you can just imagine her world, you know, this Professor, professorial world but in the name of the chapter is we were all once cultists all religions were once yep. new and all established religious were once a brash hodgepodge of ideas and images snatched and cobbled together in an attempt to put revelation into words yep. we talk about that you know in my history classes when we talk about the founding of islam and you know just in my sunday school class we've been talking about when jesus first started to preach how people view these people as fanatics they view them as different they view them as outsiders and how eventually they become to be accepted i mean that's happened over and over again so we were talking about the title and conflating it and it being confusing confusing it with a bunch of other titles before i didn't know this but i kind of came across it earlier today that in the uk the name of this book is birth of a new moon what and so i i'm trying to think okay so she is British, right? Or is she... No, she's American. Laurie R. King? she's American. I think... She, did lives, I, in, she lives in California. Yeah, okay. So I've just wondered, like, what would have, what would make... Like, okay, so... Why is that more attractive to right. English? And what is the darker place? What is... What is the... Why a, a darker place? Is it the inside of the Olympic? Or... So metaphorically, can we talk about this? Mm-hmm. Metaphorically, what does an alembic do? No, literally, what does an alembic do? Do we know? I mean, it's where it's the two. two it's the two like glass beakers that are rounded, connected by a tube, and it's where chemical reactions occur. Right? Okay. So it's like a chamber for a chemical reaction. I think so. Okay. So let's think about like think that metaphor all the way through. Mm-hmm. Of I'm th- I'm wondering like, so in this book, the cultists specifically are practicing alchemy, right? Yes, yes. And so, with the ultimate goal of not just of converting any metal to gold, mm-hmm. though they are trying to do that and claim that they have some of them claim that they have done that. Then with Jonas's ultimate goal of like achieving immortality mm-hmm. well they talked about the philo- like creating they say creating the philosopher's stone that was mentioned there at some point yeah which is the immortality i guess yeah. right that's what that is yes is the philosopher's stone gold 
I know I sound really ignorant right now because I don't, I don't know. But the, but I was just one, like, this has just come to me. I wonder, is there something about that's then metaphor for her life, too? Holly just raised her hand. The philosoph- yes, Holly. The Philosopher's Stone is a legendary substance, allegedly capable of turning inexpensive metals into gold. It, it was sometimes believed to be an elixir of life, used for rejuvenation and possibly for achieving immortality. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. So, there you go. But that's where the whole like fire, fire explosion, chemical reaction, like there is something like that that happens mm-hmm. in order for help me here, but like in order for a new thing to exist, mm-hmm. in order for yeah. a, a transformation. Thank you. Yes. So. That's what's happening literally like in this sect place. Mm -hmm. But is this also what is happening to her Mm -hmm. as she is exercising a ghost, if you will, Mm -hmm. like the ghost of feeling responsible for the death of her husband and child. This experience and what she's able to do for these other children, one of whom looks like her daughter you yeah. know, is 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 transformative for her. Mm-hmm. I think so too because she. This isn't the first time she's done that. In the first few times, remember what she said? She's like, "I just don't care if I die. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to do this." But in this one, she was transformed by uh, Dorsey. Is that what we call her? And Jason Dorsey reminding her of Abby, her daughter who died. She wanted to live. So this experience actually was transformative to her. That relationship that she formed with those two kids. And just reminding her of her family, I think, yeah, I think this was definitely transformative because she said, like, I don't want to die now. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not something I want to do. She was willing to do it, but she didn't want to die. Whereas before she did. Right? Yeah. I just wondered if there was, like, something to, you know, like, I don't know. It's always darkest right before the kind of idea. walking through the the darkest. where I was trying to go. Okay, all right. Maybe. That makes sense. Oh, <laughs> that's where I was trying to get. I didn't articulate that very well, but that's where I was trying to go. Yeah, because that's where it ended super dark. for eighteen years. There's, you know, see, I don't think it ended dark. I think it ended. I mean, I guess not. I mean, so she's been shot. Mm-hmm. And we thought she was dead. That whole scene's just worse. And yeah. maybe, maybe she was dead momentarily because <gasps> Glenn couldn't find a pulse. He had to work for it, and then he found yeah. the pulse. So perhaps she She's achieved immortality. She <laughs> she found the philosopher's stone in some way, right? Metaphor, which is sacrifice. Yeah, mm-hmm. which has something to do with sacrifice and selflessness. Yeah, and so she's laying on the the ruins of this. Abby mm-hmm. naked naked like naked she had not just naked. okay so she pulled this was the thing that I thought was funny though and and so she's in the the scene with Glenn and and the kids are there so Jonas and Dulcie are there and she's gonna get or not Jonas Jason and Dulcie are there and she's gonna get Jason to take Dulcie away and she's like walking over and she's like I put my thumbs in the belt loops of my sweatpants does sweatpants have belt loops does she say sweatpants well she was with jonas you said glenn so yeah when she was walking up to i'm i'm confusing a bunch of the names right now. when you were walking up to jonas Jonas. yeah she just started does it isn't that what it said 
She reached down for the hem of her t-shirt and pulled it over her head. She kicked off her shoes. Yeah, she did. She shoved her thumbs into the waistband of her sweatpants. Oh, in the waistband. Okay. For some reason, I oh, okay. read that oh. as like belt loops. For <laughs> some reason in that, just I was like, why would her sweatpants have belt loops? That's so, like that, right? That's all so like. What? What's, rebirth. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the book in England? Birth of a New Moon. Okay, and so somewhere somewhere in here... Well, that's what I'm looking like. Right here it says, when she talks to Jonas, she says, Jonas, the fire is past its peak. You must have the female for your male, the moon for your sun, the mercury for your sulfur. You need me, Jonas, now or never. But I feel like that's the only time a moon is really mentioned. Earlier on, she's talking to Jonas... And um, he says they're talking about that same idea. That's when she, because she gives him this idea, yeah, right? Totally. Like, oh, she does. Yeah. Um, that he needs her, her feminine, her feminine, her being a woman to um, complete the duality. Mm-hmm. And so he, they, in that point, he, at that point in the book, they talk about um, the the moon being, you know, not lit from within, but just casting. The, a reflection of the sun or something like that ah, there you go hmm. yeah i would like to turn this into a movie just because i would like to stage that final scene <laughs> i i think I mean, the first chapter reads like a movie so she's in her class oh and yeah she's teaching. Totally oh, totally. he comes swaggering yes. glenn is in the back mm-hmm. yes first scene for sure i thought um i'm gonna like this book and i did like the book <laughs> But it slowed down. From it's there. slow. It is slow. That that last scene though is happened so fast. After it's so slow for a while, it kind of throws you off. I just wonder if an editor was like, "You got to cut. Like it's too long. People aren't going to read this. You got to cut." Or if it was intentionally so fast. Like she gets shot, and the only way you know is that the kids hear a gunshot. Yeah. And then when Glenn gets to her, she's all bloody. Like, never is it Doesn't it turn out, this is where I got confused, and admittedly, I was probably rushing at the end. But doesn't, don't we find out later that Jason actually puts Dulcie down and goes, tries to go back? And he, he, like, I feel like he sees her get shot, but there's just a barely a mention of that. Um... And maybe if I'm wrong, then I'll just be wrong. Well, belt loop wrong. <laughs> no, he says, he says, um, this is about uh, Jason. Uh, he should have stayed. He could have helped her. He should have put Dossie down in the woods and come back to Anna. Anna. But the gun went off then and they ran for help and got lost. And it was his fault. Okay. All his fault. Okay. So he... Because he says there had been a struggle, the boy Jason started to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had tried to get the gun away. And, and it, it went, went off. So I guess, I, yeah, right. And then that's what he, sh- he thinks he should have done. Yeah. But he sees more than originally you think he sees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know why that matters, but I found that interesting. Yeah. Because I really want to know, like, when she says run, grab Dulcie and run... Yeah. Does he turn to shoot them and she steps in front of the gun? And she was already in front of it. She was already in front of it because she stood and literally blocked them and said, so does you he, don't need 
this many people you just need me right and it's after she takes her clothes off she says and then she threw herself at jonas yeah um and she had already told remember she had already warned jason and said if i tell you to get her you get her and go well he she says take dulcie and run Mm -hmm. no but i mean like even before remember when she caught him and told him like what two like two things right if i tell you to run get her and run and Ask for Glenn, Glenn McCarthy, the and FBI that's guy. why he takes her when the fire starts out. Yeah, I mean when, when he wakes up to the fire. Yep. But mm. I just don't. I want to see that scene. Yeah, like it's so it's so uncertain. And where where do we get the final description of Jonas? So she throws herself at Jonas. Then the next thing we see are Jason and Dulcie. And Glenn has gotten there, and we're you know you have to kind of think back and figure out okay how did Glenn get there? How did he know to come? Did he get her email? There wasn't time between the email she was able know. to send. But I think it's actually she had mailed him stuff earlier. Oh, she had right. scanned it in the email, and then he they were also tapping the phone right. Like at the beginning of chapter thirty one, there's a trans an FBI transcript between Jonas and Stephen. They were yes. tapping the the phones back in Arizona. That's right, mm-hmm. not in England. And he says, I, I'm, you know, and, and Stephen and Jonas are not getting along here. Like, Stephen's like, it's me and Jonas you, man. Is losing it. And Jonas is like, your, your Anna can, has taught me how to do this. Like, she fixed the problem for me, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a transformation. Yep. So perhaps that was um, what got Glenn there. So, so we see. It all happened so fast. And and then but so what where is Jonas? She lay in a she lay in a welter of blood across the still figure of a big bearded man who appeared to have taken the main brunt of the shotgun blast that had downed them both. Okay. That's literally all we've got. Yeah. Cuz that's my question. So he's been shot too. So I want to know how all that went down. Right. Well, Jason said there was a struggle and the gun went off. Mm-hmm. So they were struggling for the gun. And a shotgun, you like it sprays, right? Doesn't it spray bullets? Mm-hmm. It's not like just one thing; it sprays it. So maybe in the struggle, it hit both of them. I mean, I'd had, that had to be what had happened. Yeah, it had to have hit both of them. Yeah, um, and that's why she's alive because he took the the brunt of it. It's just it's it's such a fast ending that I'm, I, I just I'm, I'm never sure what to make of it. Whenever I revisit it, I'm, I just can't wrap my head around it because it literally is like what the last 60 pages like it's so just like this build up a lot of stuff about jason and dorsey and anna and her background and it's like you know i think she does a good job of building those characters up but then it's like <laughs> we've gone on long enough we got to get this done and as soon as they go to england it just happens so fast mm-hmm. and that's why i think i was frustrated in the end was just that i don't know get there and you know and then this is a standalone not a series so we don't get to see her go i don't know i could probably read another one maybe she goes into another cult maybe she's just sitting around being a professor and we just read that for a while (laughs) she's so like i think she's just awesome like i i enjoy the way king built her character she's sassy and she sassy, strong, very courageous, and courageous. And I mean, she knows what she wants, what she doesn't want. I mean, 
Um, I, so I enjoy her character. When I got on Laurie King's website and I was seeing what, if there was anything about this book on there, and there's really not except for everybody saying how much they love it. Like mm-hmm. People love this novel. Okay. Which I love her Mary Russell books more, so I, that confuses me. But that's just, I suppose that's just a matter of personal preference. <laughs> but it's um, there were people begging on her blog for her to write another one of these because they want to know what happens oh. to Anne. Well, it's not going to happen because wasn't this book written in 1999? Yeah, and she responded. I think I told you this. Like, mm-hmm. it, I can't remember how many years ago now. It was a long time after this book came out, but maybe like 2008 or nine or 10, like 11, right around in there, people were saying like, please write another one. Please. And she was like, I would love to write another one. As soon as I finish writing my next Mary Russell book, maybe I'll consider this if my editors will go for it. And da, da, da. But that even that was like five or six years ago. So, yeah. um. I'd read another one to see what I might see what happens to her. I would read that before I read the second follow up. Does Glenn maybe to Crazy not, Rich Agents? <laughs> does Glenn not get married, or she goes to Glenn's wedding and interrupts the wedding? Oh, God. Hmm. I don't know. What What does a transformed woman look like? Well, exactly. Is she raising Jason and Dulcie? Oh, are they grown? Maybe at this point, maybe they're and grown. Maybe they started their own cult. Maybe. <laughs> So speaking of, I've been thinking about it. There's a there's a part of me that thinks, okay, I don't like the word cult. I don't even like the word sect. I'm thinking more like commune <laughs> situation. Um, that that feels particularly good right now. Like, okay, maybe we go somewhere where there's, and I don't have to hear the news anymore, and we just live off the land and. Um, we read things, and I don't know. Every time you see one of these things on TV, they they always get crazy, right? But 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 my my commune would not get crazy. Yeah, it doesn't have to be crazy. I would come to your commune. Holly's wrinkling up her nose. No, I'm not because I feel like that's what everybody thinks when they start one of these, right? <laughs> Can we have beer and wine on the commune? Yeah, maybe okay. it, maybe it's a vineyard commune. And maybe there's a. I'll be down with that. Maybe there's a, a microbrewery on this commune. Oh, my word. That's I wasn't so wrinkling funny. up my nose in disgust. I was wrinkling in my nose up in. I could see Jake's running a commune. Like every time somebody says they're going to start a commune, it. We're not crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. This is going to go great. <laughs> <laughs> then I have to remember how much I don't like to be around people all the time. <laughs> And so my com- my commune would have to have a lot of places for, for privacy. <laughs> you might as well just get your own room. Doesn't somewhere. that defeat the point of a commune? Aren't you supposed to, by definition, work together? Otherwise, Live you're together. Just, otherwise, you're just together. like solitary confinement. No, I think that. <laughs> I mean, it's a balance, right? And I just we just it would it would take work to figure out how to balance that so that. My me time matched up with everyone else's me time, you know. Like, but that's just like living with the family too. So true, true. <laughs> you live in your own little commune. I want to live. I'm not gonna lie. I would like to be in your family. I wouldn't mind it. That's all. With your hex bugs. I'm tell. I mean, I just think that I would enjoy living in your house. Can so. I move in? I need a place. <laughs> Everyone's welcome. <gasps> it's a commune. Oh, girl. Literally. I really think in a lot of ways, this is this is going to sound really super crazy and stupid, but I do think in a lot of ways, we, we waste a lot of sp- space and time and excess. Like, I think 
do does everyone in my neighborhood really need a lawnmower? <laughs> Shouldn't there be a central yeah, shed somewhere where we communally own a lawnmower? I have a ridiculous there's a chainsaw in my garage. <laughs> do you know how many times it's been used? Zero times. Or a communal pressure washer. Commu- yes, uh, I have one of those too, and I bet my next door neighbor does, and I bet his next door neighbor does, and then her next door neighbor does. Like, shouldn't we be able to communally own these and have really good, like, pay for really good insurance situations so that the? But you know, someone's gonna mess it up. Somebody's gonna mess it up. It might be me. <laughs> like, I might be in a hurry and like just, just it's like being at the printer when you're in a hurry, and then the the printer gets back to where the copy machine, and there's a. I you have, don't put the lawnmower back in the shed, mm-hmm. so when I need to use it, I can't find it. Somebody right. accidentally backs over it. Or hey, there's that. That felt, that felt close to home. <laughs> <laughs> you just hit a mailbox, didn't you? No, garbage can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I drove by that house yesterday that was and not, I laughed about it. That was not what I, I had was a going chuckle. for. All right, y'all. So let's talk about what we're doing next. We're super pumped. <laughs> Woo! We're going to read Leanne Moriarty's new book, and the title of it is... What is it? I forgot to put my name here. Drum roll. Nine perfect strangers. Nine perfect strangers. <laughs> I knew it had a number in it. I could not think of it. Y'all, I read the first two chapters last night. I think it's going to be good. Oh, good. I'll start it this weekend. I got some time. Um, we she love, writes some crazy characters too. Like, we I love like the way she writes characters. Leanne Moriarty. We have read most of her books. That's what brought us together with what Alice forgot. Did you ever watch Big Little Lies? Yeah. Oh, you did. It was the other one about the space or the kids. What? The supernatural kids. Oh, Stranger, Stranger things. things. That was the one I never watched. <laughs> space and kids. Um, I think what Alice forgot might uh, be worth an, another read. Uh, uh, I don't know. Just um, I've grown since we first read that. I, I might want to revisit it. I think that was six years ago, maybe. Seven? Did we pod on that? No, no it was before it was the pod. Pre-pod. It was pre-pod. Okay, let's it do was, it. It was. No, I don't think we should necessarily read it again and let's talk about it. it. But I just <laughs> bad idea, no. Caroline. That's not. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes, sure. I mean, great. But um, anyhow, did they make that? That's not a movie. It, it, it. Not that I know of. And I don't know. I just. That's the one where she's in the hospital and her daughter comes and sits there? No. Oh, no. That's, um... Husband's Secret. No. 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 I think you're thinking of, um... I don't know what I'm thinking of. The, who wrote Olive Kittridge? Oh. What's, um... That's... Lucy. My name is Lucy Barton. Lucy Barton. That's where she's in the oh, hospital. That's what I'm thinking of. No, this is one They all where, forgot stuff. But she did got... She got hit in the head mm-hmm. and, um... Forgot everything. Forgot that she didn't like him anymore. Yeah. Right? Like she didn't like her husband. And then she remembered that she like. She, yeah, well, let's read she that forgot again. All the I, bad it's stuff. as if I never read it. <laughs> what? Ca- like, you got knocked in the what, head. Caroline forgot about <laughs> this book. Um, all right, maybe we'll do that. All right, so Leanne Moriarty. What is it? Nine Perfect Strangers. Nine Perfect Strangers. And I feel like this is probably going to be a pretty fast read. So, yeah. listeners. Hey, real quick, what have you guys been doing? We always kind of wrap up with what have we been digging? What have we? What else have we been doing? Y'all been doing anything else? So, in preparation for the um, getting ready for a new Leanne Moriarty, I just listened to another one of hers called "The Hypnotist's 
Love Story, I think is the name of it. And um, I haven't read that. It was, I, I found it fun and I really, really want to be hypnotized now. I want to. Um, she really does. She's Googling it. <laughs> Can we go watch? No. no. A world of no. It's super. But, so, but in a friendly way, not in like a weird way. In know, the same but, way that like I would want to watch someone have a baby. Oh, God. It's just interesting. But I feel like you would want to become hypnotized because you need to work th- through things. And that's stuff we don't need to be privy to. I've, well, not. Okay. Maybe, right? Privacy. Maybe not firsthand, but of course I'd then tell you the next day. Yeah. So, maybe But you just, wouldn't be able to remember because you would be hypnotized. No, I think you remember, do you, right? Do you put it on, maybe they video it. They could video the session. So. And then we could watch it later. What I they learned, probably have to. I would think for like safety, hippo. I don't know if you remember. the What I learned from the hypnotist secret, no, hypnotist love story, which I don't know if it, this is true or not, but you're actually never fully out. You're, you are totally still in control when you are hip, being hypnotized. It is like being in um, near sleep, but, but you're, you still have control so you and remember. you do remember. Yeah. Um, According to Leanne Moriarty's novels, anyhow. Okay. <laughs> what have you been doing, Caroline? Nothing. Okay. I read a book called Ill Will. It was really strange, very, very weird. I read it because a math teacher here at school read it and wanted to talk about it with someone. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll read it. And it was strange. But in that book, the main character, who in the end may or may not be a serial killer, is um, hypnotizing people. And he's got this woman that he's hypnotizing. um, And she has like chronic pain. What do you call it? Like not real pain, but she thinks she has pain. And so he's like hypnotizes her. And then he like, it's creepy. He like blows, he blows on her fingers. And as he blows on them, the pain goes away. He like blows the pain away Hmm. while she's hypnotized. And she believes that the pain's blown away. So then she doesn't hurt anymore. Oh, it's interesting that both of you guys read books about hypnotism. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. That's just like a small part, small part of mine. But it kind of was cre- creeped me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want people blowing on my fingers. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, d- I do not think <laughs> Ellen, who was the hypnotist in the Leanne Moriarty book, would have blown on d- people's fingers. No, she would have given them, even if the pain was real. She would have given them, um, some exercises to make their minds de- cope with the pain in a better way. Okay. There was a, there was a lot of that in there. I, I read that book. I just can't remember. The idea it. is you're right. You, you you're changing within. It's about teaching you how to better cope rather than mm-hmm. whereas he's like doing it for her. It's but he's maybe not, a serial killer. He's not okay. He has ill will, sounds like. He has ill will. Yeah. All right. Um, what about you, H? What you been doing? Let me tell you. <laughs> no, don't. Okay. I'm not going to tell you everything. Um, I have decided that... Well, I've been watching... You know, I always watch TV. So I've been watching HBO's Camping with Jennifer Garner. Because mm-hmm. I really like her. I enjoy her as an actress. I always like the things that she's in. She's a little annoying in this TV show, actually. Her character is kind of annoying. Um, but it's funny. It's only 30 minutes. So it's just, you know, it goes quickly, but there's some good cameos and they're like busy Phillips is in it. And, um, um, oh my gosh, what's that girl's name? The daughter from Christmas vacation. I was telling you about her the other day. 
I'm not, I'll never get there. Okay, me either. And um, I don't know who, I can't think of who Busy Phillips is. Oh. She was on Dawson's Creek. She was on Freaks and Geeks. She related to Wilson Phillips. No, I don't think so. Who was she Maybe. in Dawson's Creek? And who was she in Freaks and Geeks? I don't know. Let's not get into it. But anyway, <laughs> Nicole Richie's on it. You know who she is? I don't know yeah. what she's talking um, So it's just, it's just fun. And so I've been watching that. And then... Um, I loved Freaks and Geeks. I did too. Did you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? No. And then um, I picked up... I'm going to try to read some nonfiction. I've got some books on my shelf. So I'm going to kind of toggle between some fiction and nonfiction. And this week I've been reading Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. Um, and it's been really good. And I've learned a lot about myself. And actually my classroom too. Like part of me today when I was talking to my classroom about speaking up and being vulnerable. And this is a shame-free zone. That was all like Brene Brown's. She said something yesterday. and Holding space. She used the phrase holding space. I was like, is that from Brene Brown? <laughs> so I've been trying to uh, read some nonfiction too. So that's my goal. One of my goals for the next few months is to read more. Because uh, I haven't been. And then um, read some fiction and nonfiction. So there we go. That's what we've been up to. All right, team. Y'all good? We out? I think it's time. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you next time with Leanne Moriarty. <laughs> What's that to say? <laughs> Moriarty. <laughs> I'm fancy. Leanne Moriarty. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. <laughs>